It's your Midwest Garden Podcast. Today, it's all about bulbs. So grab your pencils and your paper and settle in. Today's discussion is season two, episode number seven. I'm Michael Rourke, the garden guy, along with freshman gardener Scott. Hey, everybody. I didn't say say hello, but, but today's I... topic is a first-time discussion on your Midwest Garden Podcast. Lots of basics. Make first-time bulb gardeners feel comfortable. Plus, some more advanced tricks for our experienced bulb planters. Mike, before we talk with our special guest, maybe we need to hit some of the basics of bulbs so we all hit the dirt with ground running. Scott, sounds like a great place to start, but it's your idea. How about you start it? I will, Mike, because like as a weekend warrior with so many squirrels in my lot, I really have not done much of anything with bulbs. Now, I used to do some cannas and pots around the pool, but I was not educated about them. I just kind of followed the quick instructions and threw them in the pot. And then in the fall, pulled them up, kind of dried them off on the picnic table. And I didn't, I mean, they lasted a few seasons, but I mean, they got huge. One thing I have learned since trying to prep myself for this discussion with Kathleen is that there's a lot of terms out there that are conflicting to me as a, as a newbie bulb guy. So, and like, but it's like spring and fall fall is really, you plant them in the fall for spring flowers. So I found the best way so far that people are saying this are spring flowering and summer flowering. Okay. Sound, sound good so to far, you so far? So far. So the spring flowers are the ones you plant in the fall. So sometimes Most they call them, them fall bulbs. Yes. And then summer flowering you plant in the spring after the last frost, like I used to do my cannas. Okay. Can, let's make it a little simpler. If you buy the bulb in the fall, they're going to bloom in the spring. If but you, some of the bulbs that you plant in the spring... Are going to bloom in the fall. Some will, but they're going to mostly bloom in the spring slash summertime. Summer, right? Yeah. So it's one is over winter, and one is almost an immediate gratification. By Jove, I think you've got it. Maybe it's time to welcome our guest. Yeah, because um, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I just admitted I don't know anything, and here I am giving advice. And you know what? I I really want to talk to this lady because I know she knows a lot more than what most of us can forget. So. Why don't we welcome Kathleen Liberté from Longfield Gardens. I hope I pronounced that name right. Welcome, Kathleen. Hello, Kathleen. <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> well, now, we, you, Scott brought this to my attention, and I did a little bit, not a whole bunch of research, but I, you are the expert extraordinaire on bulbs, right? Well, I'm one of many, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, forget humility. Let's, let's be very boastful. You know your stuff. And that's why we have you on, on board on this, your Midwest Garden podcast. You do know your stuff. Longfield Gardens has been around for how long? Why don't you give us a brief, you know, synopsis as to Longfield Gardens and what your forte is in itself? All right. Well, I've been in the gardening um, niche for all of my professional career. I was one of the founders at Gardener Supply. Um, but for the last 10 years, I've been working with Longfield Gardens. Um, they are a wholesale uh, Dutch bulb provider. Um, but we also have, we started about eight years ago, a direct-to-consumer website, which is longfield-gardens.com. And we sell um, spring-blooming bulbs, summer-blooming bulbs, amaryllis, and paper whites. And in addition to that, we also have um, a small selection of perennials. And when you say small selection of perennials, these have been started for a while, say, for instance, daylilies, um, uh, daisies, Shasta daisies, things of this nature, perennials, hostas, what kind of small selection? Yeah, it's mostly, well, because we, um, we're basically an importer. So, um, it's, it's things that we can sell bare root, not gotcha. potted. Right. And so that would, that does include hostas, astilbes, um, peonies, uh, daylilies, you know, a bunch of stuff like that. The shipping, where do you get your bulbs from? They're from Holland. Straight directly from Holland. Uh-huh. And we used to get them for Scott's family's business and his wife's family business, Black Diamond Incorporated. Used to get them directly from Holland. It was a bulb supplier. But now the, the restrictions are just so incredibly restricting. 
Do you find any any difficulties on bringing them in to sell them wholesale? No, no, no. We have we have the folks who um, run Longfield have been um, so before the direct to consumer website. They've been wholesalers for probably 30 years. And so we have lots of contacts in Holland. Holland's very eager to sell bulbs <laughs> and um, <laughs> it's a big industry. And so, you know, we work very closely with them. Some of the bulbs come from, um, some are grown in England. We get some from, especially the Amaryllis, some are grown in South Africa and Israel in Brazil. Um, but the large part of the bulbs and um, perennials are coming from Holland. I noticed that you've got on your website fall planted bulbs, spring planted bulbs, perennials, and then winter indoor. Let's start with the definition and the distinction between the fall planted bulbs versus the spring planted. So Scott knows what in the heck we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the bulbs that are blooming now in spring were are bulbs that people were um, had the foresight to plant last fall. So those are fall planted spring blooming bulbs. So that's tulips, daffodils, crocus, hyacinths, all those kind of guys. So they're blooming from March, April, May mostly. Um, and then the summer blooming bulbs are planted um, probably mostly April, May. And those are blooming from July, August, September into October. And those would include uh, like dahlias, cannas, um, callas, uh, caladiums, uh, that kind of thing. And a lot, some of those are hardy in, well, they're hardy in warm areas like zones, you know, eight through 10, but a lot of those of the summer blooming bulbs are not winter hardy in the central and Northern part of the country. So those are often treated either as annuals. Mm -hmm. Um, so you just plant them every spring, like cannas, you can do it that way. Or, uh, many of them you can dig up in the fall. And if you have a place, you can store them for the winter. Um, a lot of times it's, uh, it depends on the plant, but you can store them and then replant them in the spring. And that's what I did with my only venture into bulbs. And that was a number of years ago. It was cannas around the pool landscape. Uh, you pull them out in the winter, but I got to the point that some of them, I don't know if I was planting too many bulbs in a, in a pot, it, but it, it got really tough to pull them yeah. out. Yeah. Know. Well, they do well, multiply. They get, yeah, they do. They get bigger. I mean, that's the thing about bulbs. So they either make daughter bulbs, side bulbs, or they just keep, you know, kind of adding on cannas are a, a, a like a tubery kind of a thing. So yeah. they just keep adding more tubers. And so if you imagine like, you know, just after three years, you've got this gigantic clump. Um, dahlias are the same way. Um, so you can either, if you dig up the clump, like dahlias, for instance, um, I dig mine up. I'm in zone four um, in northern Vermont. And I dig them up in the fall and I put them in trash bags in the basement. And then in the spring, I divide the clumps into thirds or quarters to keep them a manageable size. And you could do that with your um, cannas too is you know overwinter them in clumps and then in the spring it seems kind of um, violent to be like <laughs> you know sawing through those <laughs> those tubers yes but there's really no other way to do it for some of these plants and they recover you can cut off the broken parts and they just they do just fine I mean if you think about it that's how they're propagating them in Holland too, they're, you know, digging them up and they're dividing them into chunks and then they're selling them to you. So now are you literally sawing them? I, I knew an old, I mean, a very old gentleman that would do it annually. He'd pop them out, put them into bags, save them in a certain product, which I'll ask you a little bit later, but is it okay to just take a, a hatchet or a shovel to and just go and chop it? Kind of like what yeah, we I did mean, to hostas. Right. Kind of like that. I mean, if it's a dahlia, for instance, Whoa. um, Dahlias grow from, uh, they sprout from an eye that's formed um, right on the neck of the, at the bottom of the stem where the stem meets the tuber. Right. And so when you're, when you're chopping a dahlia in half, you have to be a little bit careful because you want to not damage those eyes. Um, with a peony, for instance, if you're cutting a peony up into pieces, peonies also have eyes, so we call them, but they're basically the sprouts that form on the, um, they have a tuberous kind of stem that goes underneath the soil. And so you want to preserve the eyes. So it's a little different for each kind of plant, but you can be rougher, well, just as you do with perennials when you're dividing. You, you can be a little rougher than most people think you can be. Well, then the, the peony, for instance, looks like a sweet potato when you pop that out of the ground. And when you're talking eyes, is that going to be like the eyes of a potato? 
I mean, not as big and not as pronounced, but you can tell the difference. And you want to cut uh, there? Yeah, I mean, a, a, I would. A peony eye looks different. I mean, to me, a peony is it's got a it's like a swollen root kind of structure. It's right. not like a tuber, like a potato, or like a tuber, like on a dahlia. Um, so you want to look at it, and you can cut. Um, Peonies you usually cut with a knife and you're going to cut it into chunks. Um, you don't want to divide peonies more often than you need to because they really, they don't like it. And it takes them a couple of years to recover. Now on the peony, <laughs> I, I'm going to interrupt Scott. Scott's jumping the, right now. He's jumping at the bit. I would like to find out briefly on the peony. After you've done splitting it, will you get a bloom, yeah. a bud to form that same season? Or do you have to wait Pro approximately one season before you get the bud? Yeah, you're going to probably wait a little while. Um, like I said, they don't like to be transplanted um, and chop them to pieces. But then also, I mean, who does? But um, oh no, I mean, peonies, yeah. <laughs> I mean, peonies, it just takes them a, a little longer than most plants. Like you can chop a hosta in half and it'll look great yeah. by the middle of the summer. But peonies, it's going to take a year, maybe two. Um, it depends how much you've you know, chopped it up, but, um, they just start, they're very, very long lived, slow growing plants. I mean, a peony can easily live 50 or hundred years. So just it like dog ears, you know, think of it in peony years. It just takes wow. a longer time for the peony to kind of get back to normal. On top of that, listeners, please stay away from your insecticides. When you see ants on top of them, those are the beneficial products that come with the plant. They're going to have to eat the membrane on the membrane on the bulb so that the bulb explodes open and gives you that beautiful scented flower. I'm done. <laughs> okay, Scott. So my my original question here was on the when you're splitting them, are you trying to go for the cleanest cut possible, or doesn't it really matter? I, I don't know. I mean, they're very brittle, and it might just if you're dividing it, it's likely it's just going to break. Um, I don't. It's not like pruning, where you have to like. You know, your, your goal is to make a really clean cut so that the, the, um, it can heal. Okay. Um, I don't think it's that big of a deal, honestly. I, I, you're, I'm out of my depth here. I have not, I div have divided peonies plenty of times around my house, but whether they perform better if you cut them really cleanly or. But you're happy with the off. success that you've had with it. I am just, uh, you know, by the time you dig out a peony, yeah, yeah, you're just going to cut no it sad. wherever you want because you're going to be lying on the ground and you're going to be gasping. And you're gonna <laughs> say, it was it was a tug of war. I, yeah, I never want to do this again. You know. So anyway, that's okay. My your thought. tulips, your narcissus, your alliums, your crocus, your hyacinths, the muscari, bearded iris, things of this nature. You plant in the fall, Scott. Are you listening? Yes. All right, because it needs a cold. I learned that. It needs to go dormant, and it needs to go within that that freeze line. Sometimes it's two and a half feet, and that's where the cities, if you're in zone five or four, that's where the freeze, I mean, the pipes, the water pipes are there right. below that. Right. Now, having said that, whether it's a spring blooming or a late spring or an early summer blooming bulb, there are nutrients that people put in there with them. I mean, if you were to go to, let's say, the standard garden centers, and you see the bulb section— you're going to find 5, 10, 20, and 50-pound bags of bone meal plus other stuff. Can you elaborate what the benefit of bone meal is? Well, bone meal is largely a source of phosphorus. Um, the thing about bulbs, especially fall-planted bulbs, is um, everything that's needed to produce a flower is already in there. So, so it's stored it from the previous season. It's stored it from the – right. So how yeah. – it depends – if the plant has done really well that summer and stored a lot of energy, it formed a really good sized flower and then it's gone to sleep. And when it wakes up in the spring, it doesn't know that it's not in Holland. It just does, you know, here it is in Ohio. It's very happy. It just opens and it blooms. Well, you said so, you're, in, you're in Vermont, right? Yep. And you said you're in zone seven? No, no, four. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, that's quite cold. We're stuck between a five and a six here in Toledo. Mm -hmm. Um, Scott, he's chomping on the bit again. I'm sorry, Scott. Go ahead. He's getting mad at me. <laughs> no, I just, I know a lot of our customers end up trying to decide between bone meal and bulb tone. Well, I w what I was just going to finish saying is that um, really fall planted bulbs don't need a lot of fertilizer because in the case of tulips, for example, most people treat tulips as an annual. 
um, tulips, unless you have really well-drained soil that gets nice and dry and hot in the summer, um, the tulips will gradually decline. The second year you may get flowers, the third year you may get flowers, but each year they're going to typically be smaller or you may get no flowers. If the soil is like where I live, which is means it's heavy, it's pretty wet all summer. Mm -hmm. um, and what happens is the bulbs split and they don't have enough energy to produce a good size flower. So if you're growing daffodils, for instance, and your soil is really poor, yeah, you could fertilize, but honestly, daffodils will grow just about on anything. Um, so I, I just think that the people shouldn't be too ramped up about the need for fertilizing fall planted bulbs um, because they really have everything they need. And unless you're like, if you're putting in, let's say you're putting in a big swath of daffodils because you want to have a, you know, a 20 foot row of daffodils, yeah. hopefully you're really improving that soil with something more than fertilizer. You're, you're, digging it, you're adding some compost, you know, you're really enriching it because those bulbs are going to be there probably for the rest of your life. And, you know, it's worth it to enrich it. That said, if you just put the bulbs in there, they're probably going to be fine because they're just not that hungry of, of um, plants. Unlike, you know, if you're planting tomatoes or something like that. They or need dahlias. that constant nutrient, right. They just don't really need it because if you think about a tulip, you know, it's just, it's not growing for that long. It's, it's got a, it comes up, it's got some leaves and then it makes a flower and then the leaves die back to the ground and it's, it's all happens within six, eight weeks. Yeah, and that's, so uh, yeah. it doesn't really have that long of a time to be feeding really because so, then it's got tough to sleep. So the bulb is dormant basically during yep. the summer. That's right. And all winter too. It has to go through that freeze in order for it to wake up. I mean, it just goes to sleep, like she said. Well, the 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 cold temperature it doesn't freeze because we really don't want the bulbs to freeze. Um, that'll kill the bulb. But bulbs should be exposed to most bulbs anyway. It does vary by the type, but you want to have them have a a winter period, a cold period that's about forty forty five degrees for more than ten weeks. So. You know, you want the bulbs to be chilled. And what happens during that time is it it kind of sends a message to the bulb to finish forming the um, embryonic flower that's inside the bulb. And so if you don't have that cold period, when your bulb comes up, the flower is likely going to be kind of misshapen. The stem might be too short. It really hasn't finished its cycle. While we're talking about the soil, um Planting them. Mike, Mike's already ready for a flower to come up, but we forgot about talking planting. Yeah. Uh -huh. Okay. So what I've kind of learned is a, a rule of thumb is the you plant it as deep as three times the height. Yep, that's about right. And I also did a little bit of, they were talking about using the correct tool that like a lot of the shovels that are too wide, this, you know, the point, the spade hits it leaves a, like a V. So you want to kind of like push and twist the bulb in. So there's no like, uh, like a water pool underneath it to rot it out faster. Is this, is this sound about like what you would suggest also? Well, it depends what you're planting. I mean, I don't usually plant bulbs individually. I tend to plant them in little groups because they look better that way. And if you do it that way, what you do is just remove you know, a little area of soil six inches deep or so. Let's say we're planting tulips or daffodils. Um, and you're going to take the soil out of that area. Maybe it's uh, 12 by 12 or 12 by 18 or something space. You're mm -hmm. going to put the bulbs in there and then you're going to fill the soil back in. That's the quickest way to plant bulbs. And it's actually, they tend to look better yeah. um, in kind of little naturalistic groups. Um, if you're planting an acre of daffodils and you're just, um, you know, you want to just put them everywhere, uh, I don't want to be around. No, I was gonna, yeah, <laughs> but, me neither. Uh, but if you were doing that, I know that people use um, those bulb augers, you know, if you um, to make poles or you could use one of those step on things. Um, but um, I don't know that it's that big of a deal. I mean, really, you want to have the soil 
the bulbs are going to do best in well-drained soils. So if you're worried about water pooling in there, it might not be a good place to be planting bulbs in the first, first place. Okay. Yeah. The, the, I've been asked for the 40 plus years I've been doing this and, you know, let's say the tulip, which end goes up, which is the right way to plant it. I just told them lay it sideways. If you're not sure what's going to grow up is going to go up and what's going to grow down is going to grow down. Now, is there a standard rule for any of these or just like you said, you do them in groups and you'll know, say you got a hole that's about eight to 10 inches in diameter. You put four or five daffodils in there or maybe yeah. about three or four tulips. Do they have to go in a specific order? You just dump them, cover them, and say, go, guys. Well, I would put them – it's pretty easy to tell which way is up. I mean, the, usually there's some uh, – or often there's a little bit of roots at the bottom, and usually the, the bottom of the bulb is fatter, wider, and the top of the bulb is usually kind of a little bit pointier. If you're in doubt, um, certainly on our website, we have pictures of all the bulbs, and you can see. Um, I mean, it's are they going to find their way to the top? Probably, um, but you know, help them out. Give them a good start. <laughs> Show them which way is up. Your website <laughs> make... is at longfielddashgardens.com or that's correct. That longfield l o n g f i e l d dash gardens dot com, and that's yeah. you can pop that up and you can find all sorts of different. But do you have a forte that you you know besides the bulbs? A, a gardening forte? Oh yeah. Oh, um, gosh, I don't know. Well, I sort not, of this have, is not a time to be humble. <laughs> I have my fingers in everything. I have, I made my gardens when I was 30 and it's, that was 35 years ago. And I have created far more gardens than anyone should have. I have something of everything I have to say. And I have a large vegetable garden, herbs, berries, um, as well as bulbs and perennials and, you know, pretty much everything. So do I have any favorites? I don't know. I love spring bulbs though, because it's a very long winter here. Um, we get a lot the of first snow. first sign of spring. When those sons of guns come up, everybody's going Yahoo. Yeah. I mean, to see that color is just so good. Especially so I am a big fan. Yeah. With this COVID junk and everybody been locked yeah. in. My yep. goodness. Yeah. Yeah. It's like food for the soul. Food for the soul. Yep. Except there's no 12-step program for this. Once you got it started, you can't quit. I mean, it's therapeutic. <laughs> it's definitely, definitely something that's going to be, if you, you you don't have to follow things like you're reading, a, 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 a not a novel, but instructions on how to put a model together. You just got to basically live it and learn it and what you did wrong. And don't be afraid to admit that you screwed up on a couple of things. Right, Scott? Well, and yes, Mike. Okay. <laughs> Well, because what I kind of was learning is, and Kathleen's pointing right out, it, this is a lot easier than people think. It is. Because, especially if you're doing clumps because your success ratio goes way up. <laughs> you're just not looking at one or two in a certain area. Well, something's bound to come so up. So something's bound to come up, so I'm winning there. But I know, and we can chat about this, is I know a lot of people are like, I have too many squirrels. You know, I have too many things digging this oh, my oh, bulbs yeah. up. Yep. So me too. So I'm going to hit you with two things, and you tell me if I'm way off base of what I learned, or or maybe something you know better. I heard or was reading about uh, and doing my homework, which I have to do. um, If you take a grater and a bar of soap and grate some soap, you know, like a doesn't have to be Irish Spring. No, it doesn't have to be Irish Spring, but just a solid soap, and you put it around the edge. The squirrels don't like that when they try digging up. And I also heard that if you if you want to build a like a wall around, uh, I'm going to say your favorite bulbs is plant daffodils around them because they're poisonous to certain animals. Are you advocating the knocking down of any critters? Well, no, they poisonous will, plants. No, they will stay away from your bulbs because oh, they're they don't, smart enough to know. They're smart sure. enough to know they don't want to mess with the daffodils. So you you put your your blue ribbon bulbs inside a circle of daffodils. Is in my way off here, Kathleen. Tell me I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about the the grated soap. I've never tried that. Um, I do know that um, if you tend to plant later in the fall, like if you can kind of wait until uh, early November, it seems like it. This is at least in my experience. The um, the rodent pressure from squirrels and chipmunks who are 
gathering everything in sight, it tends to go down as the weather gets colder. Um, they seem to be, at least where I am, the most frantic in September and October. And so I've begun planting later. It, it doesn't really hurt the bulbs at all. And um, it seems like I haven't had quite as much of the digging up problem. Um, I've also used, um, I've laid hardware cloth on the surface of the soil um, to discourage digging. And then you can, you know, once the ground's frozen, you can take that up if you don't like the way that it looks. But um, I, I don't feel like the they're so destructive in the spring. It's mostly in the fall when they're hoarding food gotcha. um, like the rest of us. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> not no, we're, I think we're done with that phase. Hopefully. I hope so. <laughs> Um, but squirrels and, and chipmunks can be a problem. And um, you're right about the daffodils. Daffodils are poisonous to, as far as I know, to now, most see, I learned something. I, I had creatures. no idea that they were. Yeah. So if you have problems in your garden with um, squirrels and chipmunks, um, stick with things that are uh, that are rodent proof. If you're just starting with bulbs, and definitely there's so many kinds of daffodils. Um, tall ones, short ones, white ones, pink ones, uh, yellow ones, you know, there's, you can do so much with daffodils and, um, a couple of the other, um, rodent resistant bulbs, uh, ahead of tulips. Tulips are like candy for many animals, deer included. Um, so if you want to kind of get your spring display base laid, I would start with daffodils. Do you have a problem with deer? I don't know. Fortunately, we don't. We have, I live on 10 acres of land and the deer have plenty of other places to, to go. go. To go. Yeah. yeah Residential. At least they're coming right in now. Time. Yeah. I, they're horrible. And I know it's a ton of heartbreak for a lot of gardeners and, um, but daffodils, they will not bother daffodils. The deer will um, not bother daffodils. Nope. They won't. And yeah. they usually leave alliums alone too. I've heard of, you know, it always depends on how much deer pressure you have. If the deer are starving, they're going to eat Whatever pretty much they anything. Have to, right. Yeah, right. So, but, um, yeah. So, just to clarify, and we, I had to look it up as Kathleen was talking, hardware cloth. It's basically a wire mesh, like fencing. It's a, right, but it's like a quarter inch mesh because if you used a, something like chicken wire, which has a, one you know, half an inch, inch to an inch, right? Yeah, they they may be able to get in there, gotcha. um, because it's not just squirrels and you know it's chipmunks. Uh, it'll be uh, voles, mice. You Have know, you ever me. forgotten that you put down hardware cloth and gone back down there and you know let's say with a shovel and then hit it and go, start cussing up a storm? I just lay it on the surface. Oh, yeah, you do. So you don't put any mulch or anything on that. No, because it's it's like November, and I don't really care. So I'm just put the bulbs in, like lay it on the surface. Attitude. No, because it's November. Jeez, what's the point? Yeah, I like. I mean, that. it's gonna be snowing in five minutes, right? So <laughs> I really like this. She's got great advice. So, is there any uh, tips or hints for like the uh, the spring planted bulbs? Which I like that phrasing so much better. Um, Versus just spring bulbs. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Spring planted. It's telling me when See, to do it. See, she's already beat you to the punch on this. The, web, the website's excellent, everybody. If you go there, there's all kinds of That website, what is it again? It's Longfield Garden, Longfield, L-O-N-G-F-I-E-L-D-Gardens, G-A-R-D-E-N-S.com. And who are we talking to, Scott? Kathleen. Okay, good. Don't pronounce the French part of it. No, no, no. I'm not, I can't barely speak English. Oh, well, anyway, so you do like the spring planted bulbs. What gave well, you the idea, Kathleen, to put it down in that that way because of people like Scott? To, to say spring planted versus fall planted? Yeah. Well, there's fall planted, but the word planted is like for weekend warriors like myself are like, okay, versus just saying, what was the line everybody I'm making uses. fun of him because his wife's family business, he's been married 40 years already and it's... <laughs> He's just discovering this. Well, people people will say like the, the one of the better ones besides spring planted is the spring flowering or the summer right. flowering. That makes right. more sense to me versus people saying fall. Well, fall bulbs to me are the ones that uh, you know are the only ones that you can get in the fall. Yes, so therefore spring and I just think the 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 information out there is very misleading to newbies. 
I agree. But, it is. But agree. is the, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say we have a um, we're working on a website upgrade and on the new website, which will be live probably the end of June. It's going to say fall planted, spring blooming. And then it's going to say spring planted, summer blooming. Oh, Scott, just, just, you know, he's jumping right now. He's holding his mouth and he's doing somersaults in the middle of the studio. It's perfect for newbies like me. I mean, come on. Well, it's, it's, it is confusing and we are aware of that. And so we tried, I mean, I, we're just going to go ahead and say both things because you, it's both are valid and it depends, you know, which, <laughs> which, what makes more sense to you, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So the only other thing that I can bring to this conversation, good, 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 <laughs> which is very good for Mike, uh, prepared bulbs. Now, what's a prepared bulb? Well, from what I understood, you did these, your research. These, I don't I like it do. when you do your research. It's it's like indoor bulbs. It's like going to a restaurant and getting your prepared meal versus making it at home. What, no, no, no. It's prepared bulbs. They're saying are like indoor bulbs that like will bloom at Christmas. That type of thing. Amaryllis? That type of thing? I mean, you're Like talking, I said, I don't know. Well, now, see, the prepared bulbs, I think I know where you're going with this. Some people want tulips to be popped up already if you have an early Easter and they're already doing things in a pot or a container. Well, okay, isn't this forcing bulbs? Do you want me to talk now? I yes, would please. like Kathleen to jump in. Please yes. save us. <laughs> <laughs> Dumb and Dumber here would like to know what's well, really going on. Go. I think she's, she's going to hit on the forcing aspect of it. Go ahead. Well, uh, first I'm going to say that back to the idea that spring blooming bulbs, the tulips and daffodils, have to go through a cold period. So in some parts of the country, like let's say Southern California or Texas or somewhere like that, where they don't get a period of 10 weeks at 40 degrees and they want to have tulips, they need to have pre-chilled bulbs, which are sometimes called prepared bulbs. Um, so some companies, we don't sell them, but some companies sell bulbs that are pre-chilled. And what you do is they put them in a cooler for the 10 or 15 weeks and then they send them to you and then you plant them. That you, they, these other people in the warmer zones plant them, and then they will bloom normally in the very early spring or late winter. Um, so you can all people in those areas can also do a similar thing at home. They can put them in their own refrigerator, buy them in the fall, put them in the fridge for ten or fifteen weeks, and then plant the bulbs. Usually, like December or so, because um, fall bulbs are really only available in the fall. So you can find them starting, you know, late August and usually by Thanksgiving, they're gone. And that's it. It's just one time a year you can get them. So anyway, you can pre-chill them. Um, and those sometimes that's called prepared bulbs. You can also, if you don't have a garden or you want to have a display of tulips for Easter, for instance, and they the ones in your garden won't be ready in time, you can plant the bulbs in pots in the fall. And then you need to chill those, though. So the pots can't freeze. If you live in a really cold place like I do, I can't just leave the pots outside because the bulbs will you. freeze. Okay, no, yeah, good. they'll die. So you need to keep them above freezing but below 45 degrees for that period of time. And not everybody has those conditions, which is, makes forcing bulbs a little tricky and why a lot of times it's your local greenhouse, you know, where somebody will have uh, forced bulbs and I buy them at the greenhouse. I think it's a great deal and I want to support my local people because I know that this time of year they really could use, you oh, know, yeah. some people buying some stuff and, exactly. and I just find it's a little tricky to do and to get them you know, That's to, a... to look good and, and when I want them. So those are another way of those are that's what forced bulbs are and then i'll just end by saying winter blooming bulbs like um paper whites and and uh, amaryllis those are bulbs that don't need a cold period those will bloom without the chilling period because they come from climates where it doesn't get cold um you know tulips originated in the um like oh, central asia in the high you know mountainous areas where it gets really cold in the winter um same with asia mm -hmm. the always... steps of asia yep oh um, my goodness more research you could do um, it is yes 
this is going <laughs> to so, go ahead. The, so the 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 um, amaryllis and the paperweights, which you plant in you I don't know November December usually for winter blooms, um, those are coming from uh, warm climates where they're grown, and then you don't need to pre-chill those. You just as soon as you get the bulb, you just plant it and it flowers. How's that? Awesome. I'm 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 awestruck. Well, because so that is very a narrow window of temperature, a 13 degree variance between freezing and her 45 degree mark. 45 degree, right? To keep those, that you couldn't do that. They do it in a lot of these. Well, I know the mapas that want to go out there and try. You can do it as a Cub Scout experiment if you wanted to, to see if it works. But she, the variance that she left there is 13 degrees. I, I I agree with her. I'd rather just give some business and go ahead and buy them. I mean, if you, if you get set up for it, you could have a, um, you know, it just all depends on what zone you're in and what your minimum temperature is in the winter. I mean, you're going to, you need to be kind of prepared that some years it's going to be, oops, too cold. Some years it might be, I mean, not where I live, but some years if you live in where you guys are, it might not be cold enough. I don't know. Um, but Anyway, if you if they're in the ground, is the easiest way to do it because really let Mother Nature handle it and don't get involved. <laughs> well, with Kathleen Liberté, L E L I B E R T E, with a slash at the end of it, I cannot pronounce that appropriately, so I don't want to. Play it's La it. Liberté. La Liberté. Um, yeah. Okay, and Longfield Gardens has a w- wonderful website. It's www. L-O-N-G-F-I-E-L-D-Gardens-G-A-R-D-E-N-S.com. Uh, It'll be in the show notes. It will be in the show I'll notes. I'll just throw a link right up there. The website is very interesting, and, and I hope you guys keep like this part with the, the new part. On there. Because it says Please. other ways to shop, and that's collections, but pairing, color, and whether you have sun or shade, that's, like, perfect for me. Like, if I just... Mm. With just being a, a newbie and hit, I want Aren't go by beautiful? color. Look at look at, the, look at the dahlias. And Longfield Gardens sounds like, it, it, well, from what I'm noticing right here, it's very colorful, very pretty, and it comes up with brilliant ideas. Well, it's it just has a lot of information on it. Um, like it you, the learn the learn tab that you have on the website. There's all kinds of information there about planting and. Um, inspiration, color, yeah, inspiration, color harmonies, design, and all kinds how you of can stuff. Do this, yes. Like a lot of people, um, you can't order our spring blooming fall planted bulbs yet, but by the end of this month, we will, you will be able to place orders. So a lot of people like to see the bulbs, you know, around in people's gardens and say, Oh, what was that? Well, that's, um, Barcelona tulips. I want to be sure I remember to order those for next year. You can go on our website order your Barcelona tulips and we'll reserve them for you and ship them at the proper planting time in the fall. So people use the website in that way as well. There's a red and burgundy dahlia that's called, it looks like chocolate. I mean, some of these things you want to eat. Uh, (laughs) They are pretty, they're beautiful. So Kathleen, what have we not touched on? What are we missing? What are you dying to tell us? uh, Like those guys haven't asked me about. Uh, What's new? What's wow. new? Wow! We were waiting for that one, Scott. No, seriously, what is new? What is new? And now that's coming on fall, isn't it? It's coming on fall. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things that it is true is that the the new uh, varieties that come out are always the ones that sell the most, sell through quickly, um, quickest. So if there's a tulip that's new, like, uh, for instance, this year, we're going to be offering um, a tulip called Copper Image. It's a double late tulip. It's this coppery peach color. It's incredibly beautiful. Um, there are not many of them grown. And so we will have a limited supply. And I can pretty much guarantee by the time it gets to September, we will be sold out. So um, if you want to later this month, take a cruise through the website. Um, you'll see all the new stuff. Uh, we should at least have it up by early May, if not sooner. And if the things that are new, I would encourage you to, if you like them, um, order them because we always do run out of those. They're in short supply. So if they were um, in May, May, June for this coming fall, that they will, you'll have them, correct? 
yep, we'll put your name on them and we'll save them for you. Um, there's some, uh, I was just going to mention a couple other new tulips. Um, we have some fringe tulips um, that are kind of a um, thing that people are into right now. Two varieties, uh, Izumi, which is pink and white, and Curly Sue, which is kind of a grape colored. Um, we have a, several other double tulips, which if you haven't grown double tulips, I encourage you to do that because yeah, they're, they're cool. They're really, really beautiful, and most of them are fragrant. Um, oh, wow. What are yeah. what what are do- double tulips? What what's unique double, about them? They have twice or three times the petals of a regular tulip, so they're they're full, kind of like a peony almost. Sometimes they're called peony tulips. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, they, they have a fuller, so, rounder blossom. Yeah, to they them. they kind of would. If you can imagine holding one in in your cupped hand, they would fill your hand. It's a um, they're, they're very, very beautiful. Um, and there are early blooming ones and there are late blooming ones. Um, and let's see other pop popular tulips, um, really dark tulips are pretty in right now. Um, dark, dark burgundy maroon tulips. And we have, I think we have five different varieties right now. Um, black hero, which is a double, we have a black parrot tulip. And those are black um, tulips. I mean, literally. Is they're pretty a- dark. Yeah, they're very dark. A lot of people um, getting into that nowadays. Yeah, Goth- they're the Gothic Garden. We girl did a Gothic that Garden one. That she wanted. To, <laughs> yeah. She wanted everything like that. Yeah, perfect for her. Yeah. Well, they're <laughs> they're also just even if you're not into Gothic stuff, they're they're really, I think they're stunning and they're they're really fun to combine with other colors like orange and pink and you know they're just re- very dramatic. On the daffodil front, I'd say. Um, we have um, we've been adding a lot more pink cup daffodils. That's kind of a of a growing interest um, that we're that. finding, and those are very popular. Um, this year we're also adding some more mini daffodils. These are daffodils that have flowers that are about an inch across, and they tend to be about a foot tall. So they're really nice for the front of a border or a small space. Their their foliage is much. Um, more grass-like. So when the flowers are gone, you don't have quite as much of the daffodil foliage laying around. Um, so I, I really like the minis. Um, and let's see, we also have added a couple that are particularly good for Southern areas um, because not all daffodils will do well in the South They because they need that chilling period. But there are a group of them that, that will grow well, even in some place like Georgia. Um, and without any kind of pre-chilling. I'm sorry, go go ahead. ahead. Uh, You've got a lot of these that are invasives also, and then the arrangements that we're looking at right now on your website is just Mm -hmm. giving me a plethora of ideas as well. I mean, the dahlias, for instance, and then the double lilies. I I mean, you've even got a, a, I want to call it a black canna lily. Um, Yeah. I mean, the the Odessa. C-A-L-L-A, yes. Yeah, 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 Odessa, yep. Um, Yeah, I mean, if you, if you're, into dahlias, we have, uh, I don't know, I think we have 150 varieties. Well, there's some um, societies out here. Even the botanical gardens and the metro parks are growing them. Some of them are seven feet tall. Some are down to two and a half. It just Yeah, depends. there's a big range. That's true. Oh, they're gorgeous. Um, and so we still have dahlias in stock, So, and we'll have them probably for the rest till probably sometime in May. Um, so if people are into dahlias and you haven't got them yet, um You'll find them on our website. www.longfield-gardens.com. Kathleen, thank you. Um, You're welcome. This has been more than a pleasure. It's been very educational. I was, I'm, I'm humbled. I truly am, Scott. And, and I'm not, I, I mean, I'm not too proud to admit it. Unlike you. <laughs> thank you very much, Kathleen. It's been a pleasure okay. talking to you. You're welcome. You've got mail. So, Mike, today's Mike's mail question is not from one specific person. And it's not like Why the mailman mean? brought a whole bag. I'm just saying I know from everybody asking and a lot of stuff you see on the web, this is everybody's question from everywhere USA. You ready? I'm, I'm, I'm sure. The subject is dandelions. Well, they got those everywhere. I know. Well, what's the problem with them? Well, you... I, the problem is, is that everybody wants to get rid of them because they're not cool anymore. On the contrary. In the 1800s, right? They used to be cool and grass wasn't. They were necessary. 
But well, we, even before World War II. But we can go deeper with dandelions, and there's a lot of things that I don't think people know about dandelions. Well, then why don't we make this Scott's question? Let's go, Scott. What don't <laughs> they know about dandelions? No, no, you answer. I ask the question. Well, okay, but dandelions, basically, you're right. They've been around for quite some time, and before the 1800s, they've been used for remedial purposes, meaning for medicinal purposes or something to keep people healthy. Um, there's a lot of benefits to it as far as vitamins A and D that's in them. Um, I've actually eaten dandelion leaves. Can you believe it or not? Um, the dandelion itself is, is very nutritious. Um, did you know that a cup of dandelion greens has a 500% of your daily recommended vitamin K and 12, 112% of vitamin A? I bet you didn't know that. You're, where are you reading that from? How do you know? I happen to be the expert, Scott. This is a surprise question. How do no, you know that type I, of detail? A dandelion seed could travel up to five times or five miles before it lands on the ground. Did you know that? And that every part of the dandelion is edible. For goodness gracious, Scott. I, I did know that part. You did not. I have not done it. But but they're not basically a weed. you know they're related to the sunflower? That I heard, too. You heard or you knew? I heard. All right, but you're getting 500%. Of your daily recommended vitamin K and 112% of vitamin A. I know that you get vi vitamin D from it, and then it can travel up to five five times, five miles before it lands on the ground. Now, do you want to know why people got rid of the dandelion? As a, as a sub-question, sure. Well, no, I'm, I'm not a sub-question, but a basic question. You were asking that these guys are, what, what kind of a question is? were you asking initially? What do you want to get rid of it? Are they the demon from purgatory, yes. or do you want to hang on to it? Well, that's that's my point. The question is, I want to get rid of them. But what I have been learning working at the shop is that dandelions aren't necessarily a bad thing, and how popular they used to be. That I just would like to enter or uh, educate our listeners on something dandelion that they may not know, they're, like the bee thing. Yeah, they're usually the first ones to pop open. I mean, more so than, let's say, tulips or anything anybody's been planting. You'll see them popping up all over in parks or even in yards or in cracks of driveways. Yep. And they're coming up in their beautiful little yellow flowers. Well, in the lawn industry, people don't generally want to see that in their lawns. And you can't prevent them from coming up. The only thing that you can do is knock them out when they're out and growing. I would strongly recommend you wait until they go to the seed head before you do any spraying of any type of chemical to knock them out. Exactly. Now, this is why I wanted to bring this up. because And, and I tell you what I'm doing. What are you doing? I, my lawn service won't be happy, but yes, I do have a few dandelions, very few, mostly in the garden beds. Mm -hmm. But so I'm letting them flower up. I'm letting them bloom. And then once the bees are done with it, because this whole thing about dandelions is it's the first food that bees can hit up after a long, hard winter. And we haven't had a good winter. No. Nope. And they're, they're, they're getting their nutrients and their nutrition from the dandelion. Yes. So too are other critters. And, and I like honey. So I want my bees to be ready to go nice and strong. All right, schnookums. I like honey too. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so so uh, my my theory after doing you know some learning about this process and what information's coming to me is like I I'm gonna let the bees hit the flowers, but before they t after the flowers start dying, so I'm not using any pesticides. I'm not don't want to kill the bees. That's the biggest thing. Okay, I'm just gonna like dehead them before they get to the seed stage. You can do that. But do you get that many of them to do that? Well, see, that's the thing. I don't. Be because my lawn's treated, and and it has been for years, so this is mostly landscape areas. So, yes, I have it easy. But, but generally, what I would strongly recommend for people that want to work with Mother Nature versus work against or fight um, the bees aren't going to be around once they start to once the dandelion starts to go to a seed head. That little tuft of round circular seeds that you blow on them, cute little things floating in the air. Once they go to that, the bees are done. Even a little right. before that, because generally they're done creating the pollen, and the bees aren't going to come to it. But there's going to be other plants that are going to be pollinating too that they're going to be going to. So when you notice that the bees stop coming to your dandelions, that's when I would recommend you go ahead and knock them out. Right, if right. If you want to. 
Right. Then you can knock them out. Right. Even with pesticides, if you want to. If you want to, you can. Generally, the pesticide or the systemic insect, not insecticide, herbicide that you're using only has a two-week residual. The plant has to actively be growing to knock it out. So you're not going to be able to prevent them from coming up. And when you see the flower, if you want, you want to be nice with mom nature, let the bees come in. You'll see them. When they start to change from yellow, and they're going to go to a wilting yellow, the bees aren't going to be anywhere near there. That's when I'm taking them That's out. That's when you can take them out. And you can either dig them, or you can go ahead and, and uh, well, you've only got them in your garden area, or you can spray them in the lawn. Because I don't even want it to get to the seed forming no. position at all. Uh, because I don't want them blowing in the wind. There's a song about that. Was it Kansas? No, that's dust in the wind. Oh. All right, never mind. Well, anyway, no, you don't want you don't want to affect your neighbor, infect your neighbor, right? Um, and you want that again. Dandelions were something that were a regular that were they came up with a crocus, they came up with a cilia, they came up with everything else. It was a sign of spring. It was not until the early '60s when everybody wanted the bluegrass lawns to make them look like they were the golf courses, like Inverness, like uh, you know Pebble Beach, you name it where you have the most pristine-looking lawn, manicured, mowed five times a week, watered 16 times a week, and fertilized four. Uh, generally, the population of this world right now, especially in the United States, cannot afford to do it that often. Right. So what they want to do is culturally work with Mother Nature so that it's not as noticeable and so as to prevent them from coming in. Your turf in your yard is very thick, very dense. The dandelion seed is not going to be able to make it to the dirt to germinate. It'll only germinate in open areas. It ended up being more of Scott's it was mail Scott's. You than were the one Mike's was, mail, did it? Well, I'm impressed. I well, mean, because I, I, I've been listening to you too long on that subject. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike, you know. I We know. Well, Dave Slavinsky would think otherwise. But yes, no, he's he did that quick tip the lawn a couple of weeks manager. ago. And he oh, said that's right. They're his arch enemy. Well, you know, not too many people like him either, especially weeds. <laughs> All right, everybody. So that wraps up the bulb show and with, Mike's question with the Mike's mail about dandelions. And if they have another question, what do they want to do, and how do they want to get a hold of us? They can go to the website or the Facebook page. Hit us there. They can leave a voicemail uh, the, with the phone number. I'll, I have that phone number right in the show notes. It's five six seven three one eight two three two five. Yep, it, that one. Or you can email it. You can email us at yourmidwestgarden at bexbex.net. That's enough for today, ain't it? That is. Until next week. And this is spring. We're going to work our way into summer. Gangbusters, baby! We're going to talk about freezing and frost. We are. Yeah. It's very important. It's a highly important thing. And when we're going to go, we're going to go to the Farmer's Almanac as reference. You don't even know what that is, do you? Yes, I know what it is. I'm not saying it's right. It's not science. It's not right right. all the time. People have been talking about it and using it for over 200 years. A lot older than science than you. Anyhow, we'll (laughs) talk to you next week, folks. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Your Midwest Garden. If you like today's conversation, please share this podcast with friends and family. And don't forget to click on the subscribe button so you won't miss any future episodes. Plus, if you have any show topics you'd like us to discuss, head on over to our sponsor's Facebook page, which is Black Diamond Garden Center, and message them your topic idea. For all of us at Your Midwest Garden Podcast, I'm Michael Rourke, the Garden Guy. Hope you enjoyed today's conversation.